All right, fellas. I guess it's just us three, huh? Yeah. yeah. Okay. All, the, um, all those other lame space jockeys decided not to, not to make the time, not to join in today. So that's fine. In the time warp. Apparently, they're in some sort of big old bubble. Um, big, old big old bubble, and Mark Bacher could not make it back. Nope. Nothing like some late '90s techno. Well, you know what I always say. No. Nothing like some late '90s techno. <laughs> nice. Welcome back to Sci-Fi Cross-Sections, a weekly podcast dedicated to everything science fiction. It's me, your sci-fi boy, Colin Brandon, and with me tonight is... Jason. Andrew's back. And tonight we are talking about the 1998 uh, science fiction blockbuster hit, Lost in Space. And uh, Lost in Space was uh, written by Akiva Goldsman. Directed by Stephen Hopkins, it is starring Gary Oldman, William Hurt, Matt LeBlanc, Mimi Rogers, Heather Graham. Uh, I guess we'll throw in the the daughter, Lacey Shepard, please. Uh, Jack Johnson and Jared Harris. Mm. In appearance only, not voice. Mm. Is, is that real? Yeah, they overdubbed him completely. That wasn't his voice at all. <laughs> because huh. he was super British the whole time. No. Um, <laughs> I Jack was Johnson, going, do you mean that? That doesn't sound well, like Jared Harris. Why weren't you a better sure father to me, Daddy? I was oh. dead sure that that was you Jared Harris. You didn't come to like, my science fair. <laughs> sound with them. Sound like him, and now I know why. Um, I created anyways. a time machine, Papa. Oi, Dad, look what I did with my science project. Oi, did. Mm. Hello, dear. Did. <laughs> All oh, of a sudden, did. he's Australian. This <laughs> <laughs> is him and Gary lady. Oldman. Science day. It's a very dangerous day. Him and Gary oh, Oldman Dad. on the uh, the uh, derelict planet or whatever, just going back and forth like Cockney accents. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was my favorite part. Yeah. <laughs> the movie we should have gotten. The movie we deserved. Mm -hmm. Well, let me tell you boys what this movie is about. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. Ignition. Fast and furious space adventure in which a dying Earth depends on one all-American family for its salvation. <laughs> on their way to colonize a new world, the family run into some unexpected problems. Soon they find themselves lost in space with little more than a psychotic villain and a variety of unwholesome aliens for company. 
It's lost in space. It's lost in space. We're lost in space. It's basically the end credits. I think that that actually is like almost where that came from. Or it should have been. If yeah. we were thinking of something else when we created that bit yeah. years ago. Um, it, doesn't the end of like Event Horizon also have <laughs> one of those? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, uh, yeah very, very uh, possibly and probably. Um, yeah. Well, they both came out in 98. That is very yes, true. Yes, they did. Maybe, maybe that's just how movies were in the late 90s. Wait, was, just... was Paul W.S. Anderson just like on hand to produce this? Right, okay. So here's what we do for the end credits. <laughs> we smash a bunch of uh we smash a bunch of uh unrelated frames together <laughs> <laughs> and we set it to fast paced late nineties techno music. I've got this one well, we're font in the late nineties. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry, I've yeah, got, it's very good. I've got Paul. this one font that I really love. It won't look dated in twenty five years. Looks phenomenal. <laughs> I don't know if he's British at all. <laughs> so, Paul so, W.S. Anderson uh, is. That's a British boy. Is? Yeah, I don't even know yeah. what oh, yeah. he is. Um, okay. So one of the things I wanted to uh, kind of talk about here uh, is on the writing side. Uh, Akiva Goldsman. That man is responsible for so many fucking things, both television yeah. and film. Like, it blows my mind. I'm just going to go through, like, a little bit here that he's mm-hmm. written for in terms of film. All right? Uh, the Client, Batman Forever, A Time to Kill, Batman and Robin, Lost in Space, <laughs> Practical Magic, A Beautiful Mind, I, Robot, Cinderella Man, The Da Vinci Code, I Am Legend, Angels and Demons. <laughs> wow. Da Vinci Code and uh, Angels and Demons. He did the uh, Divergent series. Um, he did The Dark Tower. Uh, the Idris Elba. Transformers one. The Last Night. And then we get into television, and he's basically responsible for the entire like rebirth of Star Trek. From all the all the all the TV shows that are currently running on Paramount Plus, he uh, he writes, no directs, shit. and produces. Yeah, huh? So he's done quite a bit. Um. So, anyways, yeah, he wrote this movie, but not even Kiva Goldsman could save this from critics. No, I was gonna say you called it a blockbuster. I'm not a hundred percent certain not. that is true. It's not. When I when I was eight years old, I absolutely believe this was a blockbuster. Dude, this rocked my world. It was a block dudster. Oh boy! Got Sorry. Goodbye, um, bye, Akiva. So, You're dead now. Yeah, to prove this wasn't a blockbuster, uh, the budget uh, came in at about eighty million dollars. Yeah. Uh, the box office was a very subpar one hundred thirty-six million dollars. So it didn't even. Uh, can't even be considered a a financial success yeah this is one of those films where i think the uh i think that 80 million dollars like half of it was william hurt's hair piece oh god and uh the other he should he, he's a great looking bald man he just should have let it go is my opinion and then the second was uh may he rest in peace the second was uh trying to turn gary oldman into a cgi spider creature thing and I think that was, <laughs> yeah. that was, yeah. uh, and then whoever they had overdub, uh, even the, the, <laughs> overdub the guy, even Gary end. Oldman couldn't method act his way into that spider no, suit. He definitely could. He certainly was, tried though. That just wasn't good. <laughs> well, <laughs> so, so here's the thing. Um, this is, I, I think we did a movie not too long ago. What was it? It was soldier, right? Colin. 
that yeah, I think yeah. the the big consensus or takeaway that we had after we had all revisited it and had our discussion as we as we do right the big takeaway was that like wow man right in the childhood because that was a movie that I remember um you know being much more positive on or having a much more you know high high opinion when I was 10 years old or whatever, watching it. And this movie was very much the same way. I remember seeing this in theaters in 1998. Uh, I remember watching it, you know, later uh, for, for my family, you know, we never had like the premium cable or whatever. So I would watch this when it was like the HBO free weekend. And I remember watching it more than a few times on that type of platform, you know, never owned the movie, but uh, it's just, it's so funny what, the passage of time will do to some of your favorite shit from when you were younger. Because although like I could remember still from, ah, geez, I would probably say my God, maybe been 20 years since I've seen this movie, literally have not revisited this or had any desire or need to revisit this in the last two decades of life, two decades plus, um, that, a lot of this stuff in the movie, although I recalled it, like I, I knew the story, like I remembered the story and like the beats of the story, but there's some shots in there where it's like, oh yeah, that's, that's kind of like cool. Or like, I appreciate the art direction there or whatever. And then there's some CGI that's just like the worst bullshit you've ever seen. What? And I remember mm-hmm. like that, it like blowing my mind in 1998. Same with uh, another one I revisited, and obviously we'll never, even though it's technically sci-fi, we'll never cover it, was uh, Power Rangers, the first movie. And thinking like, oh man, oh, yeah. that's fucking mind-blowing, and this is this is great. And I was a kid, I mean, I wore out my VHS tape of that. I wore it out. Would uh, not play. Uh, and uh, it's funny, because it was very similar with this, you know, you, you see some of the, like, spaceship scenes and everything now, and you're just like, what the fuck? The whole scene where they shoot through the sun... <laughs> it's like so, yeah. oh my goodness I, I, let me let me put some things into perspectives here for you guys um this came out the same year as saving private ryan very similar budget in fact saving private ryan had a smaller budget and i watched that i'm currently uh, watching it with my uh, my kiddos in my u.s history class and i'm like this movie looks fucking amazing if you told me this movie came out last year i would have absolutely believed you and then i turn i get home and I got to watch Lost in Space from 1998. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> it looks like it was, I don't know. Uh, it was just that, that gross time when trying to do too much with uh, CGI just ruins the movie, really. This movie is the equivalent of one of those plastic Taco Bell cups that you'd have the Baja Blast in circa 1998 like this is the movie equivalent of that cup it's got all sorts of like shit on the like label it's got like the little taco bell dog on Mm -hmm. it like the garish gaudy colors and like all that shit that we now like it's kind of become in vogue again right like i'm sure colin probably has a tuxedo of a lot of that shit in his uh in his closet or whatever that he wears for parties to be ironic yeah tuxedo Um, (laughs) like a taco tuxedo um tuxedo you said that right yeah, yeah, tuxedo, um, yeah. No, but like, it's just so garish and just so like, you know, it, it's, it reminds me of like the, uh, mm-hmm. the Batman forever, uh, bat suits, like they're wearing like the cryo suits in the beginning yep. and they've got like all the anatomical, like, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> 
bat nipples, nipples and all the, the the parts like that um yeah it's just it's interesting you know like i think well i'll, I'll take it back here a second so we, this was kind of at the beginning of an era where if you guys remember we were still seeing a lot of like new properties, right? You know, you still had your event horizons and you still had your, you know, soldiers or whatever, that type of thing. Right. Cause we're talking around a similar era, similar time frame. but this was kind of the beginning of that kind of reversion into remakes that would kind of plague, I think, popular culture and media for the next couple decades. Be, still, 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 honestly, still exactly. Like yeah, this is this is almost to me like one of the mm-hmm. early ones where it's like, oh yeah, here's this property from that was popular 30 years ago or 40 years ago, and we have this idea to bring it back and do this kind of big budget modern picture, and it's gonna have all these elements of kind of what made that popular and and such a family hit back in the day, and you know, I mean, shit, that was shows that i'm sure our our, you know parents watched and stuff you know like and 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 had a lot of nostalgia for so the idea there is pretty sound at least as a economic decision right oh yeah cash in uh re kind of vamp the property and they they had two more movies lined up i think everyone on the movie had signed a clause for like a three movie option so like they thought that this was going to be you know, they I, also were going to launch a live action TV show and an animated TV show. Yeah. You know, for fran- franchise, toy, right? Revive it. Yeah. They, yep. These media they were empires. basically trying to go the <laughs> distance of like Star Wars level of yeah. just trying to create this giant media empire. Mm-hmm. And it couldn't. It never could. I mean, it's just, I don't know. I, I've never seen the original Lost in Space. Almost watched it. <laughs> um, but, uh, I, I just don't think it has the strength of the staying power. I mean, this is not a media titan. When you talk about the great, you know, sci-fi films and, and shows of the 1970s, Lost in Space, I don't feel like they, that comes up that uh, much, so right? I would disagree that this does have it. I think it just the wrong people were involved with it. Maybe it came out at the wrong time, but there currently is a TV show on Netflix, uh, a new version of Lost in Space right from 2018 yeah it's still going um from what i've heard it's a lot more successful than this attempt was yeah i haven't watched that yet but i also have heard good things about it in terms of i'm kind of intrigued to now watch it yeah like the podcast or anything because i don't we don't got the time for that but yeah i I think i might check out a few episodes to see if it kind of grabs me yeah i don't think that's a bad idea yeah i mean to me what, what i think really failed about this movie or one of the things that failed is, you know, it's a loved, well-loved property, right? From a, a bygone era of sci-fi television. A lot of characters that were kind of loved and remembered fondly by, you know, older generation, I guess the, the boomers, as it were, at that point, right? In 1998. It's a new era for us because we were all kids, literally kids, you know, seven, eight years old, nine years old, whatever at that mm-hmm. time. And I, it's funny because if you asked me my opinion of the movie in 1998, I would have said like, oh yeah, this was great. This was a lot of fun. Like I'm, I'm all about it, whatever. Cause you're a kid and you know, at the time I think the technology kind of scales with what you're watching. So I'm sure that looked very impressive to us then just in the same way that uh, my previous example, you know, Power Rangers looked impressive from a visual standpoint, but I, what I think really kills it and I'm sure probably killed it at the time or was, was one of the 
the the issues that probably the critics and even on the commercial side kind of like pointed to it's just so vapid like it's so Mm. It, it doesn't really have any ideas. And that was interesting because as I was watching it, you know, I, I go through my normal checklist in my head of, okay, what's going to be my angle when I get together with, uh, you know, the boys tomorrow night or whatever on, on Tuesday night and we record this cast, like what's going to be the angle? How am I going to approach this? Is it more of a philosophical film where it's asking a lot of questions? Is it more of kind of your surface level sci-fi? Is it a backdrop, et cetera, et cetera. And this is funny. This is one of the very few movies where, like, they actively sidestep all of that. There's no, <laughs> like, there is no uh, real hidden subtext going on here. It very much is this breezy kind of family adventure movie, or at least it aspires to be. But even in that regard, it can't really, it can't really cross the finish line there. You know, it's just. I felt like for mm-hmm. there's some great actors in this movie. Um, Matt LeBlanc is just a t- <laughs> no. There's there's some great actors in this movie, uh, and like as we said, our you know dearly departed William Hurt, uh, fan of his in just about everything he ever did. Great actor, tons of range, you know, um, but didn't really buy him as this character in this movie same with like Mimi Rogers great actress wow you know she's been in a lot of great things and but didn't really care for the performance and then you look a Gary Oldman you know holy shit needs no introduction but same same type of thing just Mm -hmm. like hamming it up but in in all the wrong ways it almost felt like so I was very surprised at the perceived quality of this through the lens of an eight-year-old kid that watched this you know 20-something years ago versus now as a you know, thirty-year-old uh, jaded adult, uh, uh, <laughs> professional sci-fi podcaster, <laughs> um, just very interesting uh, dynamic there. I don't know what, what do you guys think as far as maybe your headcanon of how this held up versus, um, you know, how you remember it. I, I think I watched this. I would say maybe <clears throat> I don't know, ten years ago, maybe a little bit longer than that. But I don't remember it being as bad as I I see it now being bad. I don't know. Uh, It has not aged well at all. Um, It looks very 90s (laughs) in all the wrong ways. Um, Mm, Yeah. I think Gary Oldman is phenomenal. Um, I mean, he brought his A-game to this like he brings to every single role. Uh, But it was just terrible. I don't know. William Hurt kind of seemed like this was a paycheck for him. Um, for sure. Matt LeBlanc was definitely just a popular casting at the time. I couldn't see. I mean, this definitely didn't like his career didn't take off in Hollywood after this. He kind of just remains a, you know, friends alumni and that's all he's got going for him. Heather Graham, another popular, you know, she was kind of big at this point in the 90s. Yeah, yeah, just uh, Austin Powers, I think she would do uh, right after this. Um, But uh, yeah, uh, it definitely has lived in my head for a long time as being an awesome movie that brought me many hours of joy. Uh, I owned it on VHS and I just watched the shit out of it. But boy, that was cringy. I was like, do I have to finish watching this (laughs) (laughs) on multiple occasions? And I'm glad I did. Yeah, I I love a lot of the. that's kind of the the funny thing. It's like 
the movie has a lot of opportunities to go in in that more kind of sci-fi direction but besides the whole you know swiss family robinson uh illusions there where it's like yeah they're you know, extremely capable, extremely smart, talented family, and they're in this bad situation, whatever. So let's see what sort of hijinks they can get up to. You know, that was the whole premise of the original series and, and kind of really what it was. It was almost kind of like an adaptation, right, of, of that source material. But it's um really interesting that, you know, they set up some threads, like with the whole like separatist movement. And like in the beginning, you're thinking like, oh, yeah, they could go some interesting directions with this. And they're talking about gates and uh interstellar travel and there's they're they're bringing up time travel and the idea behind that but Mm -hmm. it's never really examined in any sort of way that's that's interesting and i think what's funny is it's it goes beyond even just kind of being like the oh yeah this is the the conceit or like you know we're going to use this to propel the story forward like we see in a lot of movies this is just like cardboard cutout shit you know, and it's just really funny seeing it like, oh, that's there and that's whatever. And then when you combine that with a lot of the uh, <laughs> the one liners were just so cringy. I remember what's what's the one that made me like audibly like gasp at the end. Uh, it was uh, never liked that station anyways. Uh, no, it was. Uh, <laughs> of course, I came back. You're my boy. <laughs> no, it, oh man! Yeah. I like got up off the couch and I was like, "Why, boy? That's a fish I'd like to thaw." Or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, oh my goodness! Yeah, or the whole the whole Golly. thing with uh, Will Robinson and Gary Oldman, where it's just like he's like giving him the gun and all that stuff. It's like, come on, dude! You you made a time machine. Yeah, you, <laughs> you're gonna hand Gary Oldman. A loaded weapon and then deactivate the safety on After it. He's done nothing but talk like this the whole movie. Yeah, I love how many times Gary Oldman refers to himself as a monster. Mm-hmm. He, he says he's a monster that eats little boys, like probably, probably way more than was actually in the script. I feel like that's just all Gary Oldman just improving. Oh. You know, I'm a monster that eats little boys, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> he like mustache twirling. Call CPS. <laughs> God. Yeah. I have a hard time. I have a hard time um, figuring who this movie is for. Um, I, you know, I, I think about my parents, you know, they were, they were born, um, you know, uh, late forties. So they would have been, I feel like they would have probably been too old for this. Um, by, uh, by the time the original was coming out and then, you know, all the way, you know, nineties. So that's like 30 years removed. It's, uh, but you know, and then I, I saw this in theaters, but I've only ever seen this once and only ever seen it in theaters. So I have almost no recollection of this. I have more of a recollection of going to the movies and seeing the really shitty, uh, Godzilla movie around that time. And the even worse, uh, Tim Burton Planet of the Apes remake. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I have, we should cover that Damn. one if we're going to do shitty remakes. <laughs> oh, God. Can we? Oh, Jesus. I'm not Paul, wasting Paul, my pick. Paul I'm not Giamatti. wasting my pick on that. Well, so it's Paul funny. Giamatti is the orangutan. Because, like, yeah. so my parents were born in the mid to late 50s. My dad, my okay, dad so was born was, in 56. Yeah. My mom was born in 58. And I know that. That was kind of an interesting era because uh, my dad 
had a lot of properties that came out in that like mid to late nineties era that were those throwbacks. You know, I remember he was excited about this one because he had a lot of fond memories of, you know, all those shows back in the day. Um, Mm -hmm. Same with Godzilla, you know, we're talking about that. That was one where it was like, holy shit. Cause I grew up with Godzilla movies and the toys and, you know, he was huge into all that, the, the Kaiju movies um, you know, coming out of Japan in the the sixties and seventies, and you know, mm-hmm. so like we went and saw that, and it was kind of a similar thing. And I know it's not the Godzilla cast, but like it was a, a similar like interpretation of this source material or of this property that kind of went in its own direction. And ultimately, that's a really interesting point you raise, Miller. And I think that the, there's like the crux of kind of an argument there, like who was this movie for? Because you, are you trying to appeal to that nostalgia factor of the older fans? Are you trying to right. kind of, uh, you know, rope in a new generation of fans? I mean, that's kind of tricky because right. eight-year-olds yeah. aren't necessarily paying to go to the movies, right? You know, so no. even if we all liked it at the time, that's really not doing you any good. And, you know, you, you got one ticket out of my family for me, but I wasn't going to go back and see it 10 times and, no. you know, cause it to be uh, some Harry Potter blockbuster, right? So... I think that's an interesting question to consider. Yeah. I Well, yeah. And I mean, to your point, you know, um, it, it just seems like it's a, a generational gap bridger. You know, I mean, it's something that your parents could share with you. And unfortunately, if they had no ties to this movie, the chances of it's like, oh, well, hey, it's Friday night. Hey, let's go see a movie, kids. And and then you jump in, the, you jump in there and you go to the 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 uh, showplace uh, sixteen or or the the Carasotas theater, um over by the mall in in uh in in Maryville and it's like all right well what's what what's playing well, you didn't even look well no it's Friday night in nineteen ninety eight so it's uh yeah it's a that's a that's a wild one um I think my brother in law has more of a connection to Lost in Space than my parents did um. But I, you know, it's, it's, I don't know. It, it was such a wild, it's just such a random thing. It's like, huh, what was popular back in the day? And just, just reaching into a hat, grabbing stuff. I think it's funny well, too. Like when you look at a lot of the, um, because of course we grew up in that era, right? You look at a lot of the nineties nostalgia pieces, it, it, like one thing mm-hmm. that came to mind too, with even a lot of like the outfits and that type of thing. It's like that. And I guess I, I look at this part of it fondly because it's always interesting. It's just like a thought experiment, right? You look at this thing that came out in the late 90s and they're looking 40 years into the future, right? Or 50 years into the future. Mm-hmm. What's it going to be like? And it's just really interesting, um, usually what you come up with when you do that sort of thought experiment. Like, I, I think because uh, it came out a few years later, I think. But uh, what was it on Disney Channel original movie Xenon? You guys remember that? Oh, yes. And it was a oh, similar yeah. thing with, the 21st century? Yeah, with the way they're dressed. Very similar to like uh, Lacey Chabert's mm-hmm. character, you know, with all that uh, like goofy, <laughs> like goofy, shiny clothes and <laughs> bot jumpsuits. Yeah, and... yep, yep. Yeah, it's just just really interesting and funny. And yeah. like, you know, here we are. We're only really 20 years removed from where they're at in the movie. And, you know, Colin's wearing taco Citos. So, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> yeah, I we, get haven't, we haven't come uh, that far, but <laughs> not not as shiny clothes yet. Yeah. I wonder if there was a slight obsession with the 60s and the 90s. I wonder if there's I wonder if we're on like a permanent 30 year cycle. 
because what you just said uh makes a lot of sense in and in, in in context i mean um you know uh the, the tim burton remake of planet of the apes that's that was about 30 years removed oh. 2001 um i mentioned earlier austin powers that's you know like a prime like 60s example showing up in the late 90s you know i wonder if there's some kind of correlation i think about it now um that uh that nirvana song something in the way is plastered all over that new batman movie yep and that song's about 30 years old no it's that's not a i was actually just having this conversation with my brother uh, a few weeks ago because uh, we're just leaving that phase where everyone's obsessed with the 80s and we're yes. actually starting to go in this new territory of reviving the 90s i mean look the fresh fresh prince of bel-air just got a oh a God. spiritual like <laughs> remake with uh, bel-air uh, which apparently got good reviews, but um, but yeah, we're in this stage now where the '90s is now being brought back to the forefront. Um, mm -hmm. Let's see what else. I'd love a biopic about Bill Clinton. Mm -hmm. Event Horizon TV show. I, I, yeah, I was going to say coming, here we're yeah, doing yeah, Event Horizon TV show. What what else can we get? Oh man. Uh, well, yeah, and and uh, you know we had that Rocco's Modern Life movie. We could just remake all the Harrison Ford movies we from the nineties. I would yeah. love to see a, a, a mm -hmm. Con Air remake. Was it Air I'd Force love to see One? Con Air, Air Force One. Yeah, we get a remake of Lost in Space, but the movie. Get off my plane! You want a, a remake of Lost in Space uh, of but the, the nineteen ninety eight movie? movie. Mm -hmm. So who would you cast? Because it's it's got to be like just a popular actor of today. Who would you cast as Matt LeBlanc, and why is it uh, Ryan Reynolds? <laughs> i would cast matt leblanc as himself like now like i would like just have him reprise his role hair salt yeah, and peppered yep. hair matt leblanc yep mm -hmm. he's almost like going white on top of his head and Ooh. then uh probably i would have uh like david schwimmer be um <laughs> will robinson Mm -hmm. Who else? Yeah, one of those annoying little. I was gonna say well, one, <laughs> the entire cast of friends to do it. Yeah, and then it's uh, uh, what is it? Is it like Matthew Perry or whatever? Am I thinking that right? Mm -hmm. And the, he's the yeah. robot. Yeah, he's the. Mm -hmm. It's just friends yes, reunion. Exactly. That would be oh, great. Shit. There you go. Now it would have to be one of those annoying kids from Stranger Things playing Will Robinson. Danger. Yeah, you're right. It would have to be. Yeah. Um, uh, prob probably the probably the main kid from that, the one who uh, was in it. That would probably be good. Yep, I'm sure they're writing the paperwork up for that right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But we're giving them free ideas. Shit. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, this is like the Hollywood gold mine. They're tuning into our uh, Sci-Fi Cross Sections yeah. podcast weekly. And uh, right, yeah, they're <laughs> they're just take, listening to taking us. all the uh, all the the gold that we produce here on a weekly basis. Yeah, write that down. Write that down. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, that's an interesting take too, right? The the power of nostalgia and how that kind of propels mm -hmm. forward these movements in media and, and film. I mean, look, you know, what what just won a bunch of Oscars, right? Dune, you know, that's that's another yeah, adaptation of true. something. I mean, granted, it was a, an '80s adaptation of a book that was even older. But like still, um, just that infatuation or love affair with the idea of adapting and kind of re 
like rejigging these old properties and, and trying to make them modern in some way. I think that was the funny thing we talked about a little bit at the beginning here, but like just the, <laughs> like the, um, aplomb that they like approached it with, like they were, it was unabashedly nineties, like that end credit sequence where it goes through like literally five different songs yeah. and there was like a hip hop song in there. And then there was the techno where it's got like the interspersed, um, sound clips of like, you know, it's like doing the, the techno theme or whatever. And then it's like, Whoa, good one, fly boy. So the name of that song is Apollo 440. I just looked it up. Hell yeah. Apollo 440. Well, it's amazing. Miller's just going to loop that for the next half hour of the podcast. Yep. That's how we're going to lead everybody out. It's just going to be that. And then we'll just intersperse little sound clips from the first half hour of the podcast just throughout the last 30 minutes of the podcast. But. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um I don't know, it just very interesting, kind of funny. It's been uh you know, one that I I forget exactly why it popped up. It might have been Colin, I think I think this was a Bill Jarvis pick. I thought Colin had suggested this after William Hurt passed away. I believe oh, as, yeah. as made, cause I obviously we wanted to, to do something that he was in. He wasn't in a, a great deal of science fiction movies. Uh but I do as I said, you know, I have very fond memories of his movies. Um, I remember like what was the one with uh, John Travolta, Michael, the al- the angel movie. Did you ever see that one, Colin? I feel like that would have been. Uh, I did with, uh, yeah, John Travolta yeah, as an angel. Kind of r- romantic comedy 90s thing. So I was reared on those. That was like my mom's thing. So I watched all those movies with her, you know, <laughs> back in the day. Um, and uh, so that was kind of funny. So, I mean, I had very like fond memories of William Hurt even before he kind of became like the, in the, the latter part of his career, like the Marvel person, you know, and obviously he did a lot of other films, but you know, it was, it was sad. It was kind of sad revisiting it. Cause it's like one of those, um, actors that you kind of remember fondly from your childhood. And then kind of that thought that they're no longer here. It was kind of, kind of um, a bummer watching it, but you know, I, I kind of like William Hurt has kind of been soured for me. Uh, it was one of those things where, uh, one of his exes like wrote a memoir and she just talked about how abusive he was as a uh, partner and everything. Oh no. And so it's like, you try to keep in one side, like all these fond memories of William Hurt uh, as an actor and the stuff that he's done. And then, and it, re- it really wasn't like blown up in the media or anything, you know? Yeah. I didn't even um, know about that. Like you'd expect these kind of things. It just, she released it. I think uh, one or two people like reported on it. Uh, she just talks about how he was mentally, you know, physically abusive. Um, but then after he died, she said, like, the world lost a good actor today or something like that. So it's like, I don't know. There's definitely a lot there to unpack. But um, I just wanted to kind of put that in there as, you know, we're talking about our memories of William Hurt because it kind of just sours it, you know. I don't even, you know, whether or not it's true, you kind of have to take it as true, you know, um, when someone says stuff like that. But uh, that's another one of those things of can you separate the art from the artist and all that so yeah no that i mean that that's that kind of yeah. is interesting too because uh like i said wasn't even aware of that or hadn't heard that haven't come hadn't come across it you know it wasn't like i was uh, not it's it's not a lot out there i think rolling stones did uh, an article on it yeah that's interesting um, that's about the only one i saw uh yeah so 
just wanted to throw it out there. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. You know, um, I think coming off of the, the run of films that we've covered here lately, you know, we, we were bound for another one that was uh, not quite uh, up, up to par as far as the deep science fiction examination of life topics and, you know, what it means to be human. I was kind of, as I jump back into this, was hoping that maybe there was some sort of subtext there that I I'd missed when I was a kid, or, you know, may, maybe there would be some redeeming quality or there'd be something that would be like, Oh, well, that's a cool angle. Or I forgot that was in there. But mm-hmm. yeah, as I said earlier, it was just kind of every, everything was very saccharine and sugary and, mm-hmm. um, very surface level. I think there's even like yeah. characters. It's funny too. Cause like, I didn't even realize it. Well, I'll, I'll go back. So I watched this movie a few nights ago and I fell asleep halfway through. Not the movie's fault, but just I was tired. So I fell asleep halfway through. So then I had to finish watching it yesterday. And it was funny because, you know, when I was half asleep, I didn't even really register. Like there's whole characters that just disappear for like the last 45 minutes of the movie. Like Mimi mm. Rogers is just not in the movie. <laughs> I'm not exactly complaining about that. Well, no, I'm just saying it's funny because it's just like all of a sudden uh, once they they go into the time bubble thing, it's just then becomes about those kind of core characters. And it's funny, too, because you'd think like, oh, they would have some sort of subplot going on or they'll connect it somehow. But they really don't. It's just kind of like they're doing they're doing this now and, you know, they're focused on those characters. So that was kind of interesting. But. Yeah, just for for a property that could potentially be that rich in terms of places to go that's the other thing too like you look at i think one of the benefits of adapting like a tv series like that especially in a film like you can be episodic if you want but even the the episodes quote unquote that the movie covers were kind of bland you know they're kind of lackluster oh they go to the ship with the spider things Oh, they're on the planet with the time bubble. Oh, they're, you know, Gary Oldman stowed away. Like, it just wasn't, it didn't really form like a compelling plot um, in, a, in a way I think it could have. You know, if you're mining uh, a show that ran for however many seasons, you know, and, and to be fair, I don't have any clue. So Lost in Space could have been one season. It could have been 10 seasons. I have no clue. But like. You, you know, seasons, yeah. three. Yeah. So there you go. I mean, that's that's three seasons worth of plots and things you could kind of draw yeah. from or even just go in your own direction with it. I think that's part of the reason that it was so refreshing to see what the uh, Abrams verse Star Trek series kind of did, uh, you know, and, and I mean, now we're years removed from that, too. So we could talk whether that was good, bad or the other. But it was refreshing the way that it kind of morphed some of that source material and did some interesting things with it. You know, I was, I was reading something where he said a big missed opportunity is that the older Will Robinson mm-hmm. wasn't the yes. original Will Robinson. That would have been a, like good that would have been a kind of a cool little tie in. And, and I think one of the, the articles said, um, um, it might've just been an IMDB tweet too, or like, you know, one of the little trivia things <laughs> It was like the filmmakers chose against it because that would have been too distracting. And then someone yeah. is just like, who the fuck cares? Look, <laughs> who's going to be distracted? <laughs> who's going to be, who's going to care? We're yeah. not going to know. We were kids when we saw it. And most yeah. of the people, even if they watch the show, aren't going to put A and B together and say, oh, that's, you know, that's little, uh, 
you know, Jimmy <laughs> O'Houlihan. It's it, it's funny you say that because now uh, they would have jumped at the oh, opportunity to do that. Would have been Putting things time, like yeah. that into the movie adds credibility to what they're doing, so they they would strive for it. Whereas it's funny, like in the nineties, it's like, nope, this is its own original thing. Uh, we want nothing to do with the uh, the previous series. Yeah, it's like yeah. They, they try to find those connections now. That's you know, it seems like that's that's been a big uh, a big push in a lot of those revivals that have happened in you know, the last decade. And that's not to say that they didn't include tie-ins to the old series because I know like the voice of Robot was the original voice of Robot. And they had some cameos, especially in the beginning when they're still on Earth from some of the original cast. But like they didn't get all of them. They only got they only got a few of them because some of them made weird demands like they had to be like a bigger part in the movie and they weren't just going to do a cameo. And, you know, that I think the original Dr. Smith did that. He's like, if I'm not playing Smith, then I'm not doing it like I'm not doing a walk on cameo like, you know, that type of shit. So it's just kind of funny, like. Oh, uh, geez. You yeah, know, it's almost like he could have played the older version of Gary Oldman or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or turn him into the big spider turn CGI. Him, yeah, All they did is use the Doc face anyway. Play big Spider-Man. Spidey. Yeah. Just go. <laughs> no. Well, that, now I will say, too, though, no. that was actually one of my favorite things that I felt did age pretty well is he was still creepy as fuck looking when he was in the shroud. Mm-hmm. Like when he had that, uh, the uh, it almost looked like the, the Turian shroud or whatever. Um, you know what I mean? Like he had like the thing over his right. deformed, whatever, mm-hmm. like that was, that was actually still pretty cool and kind of creepy. But then the minute, like he, you know, I've become a God, <laughs> he's like 20 feet tall. And he, he and that's yeah. the, probably the one and only time Gary Oldman in a movie has ever pointed to his egg sacks. <laughs> <laughs> Why did going to bring those? these egg sacks to earth, a whole planet to feed? God like god damn. damn gary Ullman, take it easy man yeah take a chill pal take it easy but creep me out mm-hmm. that was uh, that was pretty creepy i i just i don't know i i feel like and and i don't want to compare it as a one-to-one apples to apples thing but you get a better mo- you've got a better movie visually i feel from event horizon than you did this you know 100 percent yeah and for, for, even for a year earlier and for 20,000 or 20 million dollars less well i think that you know the cool thing is there was much more of a reliance i think if you like look at a movie like event horizon to lost in space like there's a lot more of miniature work going on there's a lot more of like the matte paintings going on and, and a lot of those things that were kind of tried and true methods of set design and like mm-hmm. presentation in your movie, right? Versus going all in on the new technology uh, where you can watch Event Horizon and it's still for the most part kind of visually holds up, I think. Yeah. Like, yeah, there, there's obviously all sorts of things we laugh at and joke about um, narratively and sure. whatever, but like visually, it, I think it looks cool. Whereas this is one of those case in points where they went all in on the CGI on that being a cool new technology mm-hmm. and now yeah you watch it 25 years later and you're like whoa yeah. holy yeah. shit <laughs> um you know and and i i just think that that comes down to kind of a creative decision right and a, a vision of how you want to accomplish yeah. things you can certainly try to do more scale if you 
have all these CGI shots and everything. I mean, it's going to seem like you can cover more ground maybe, but to me, like I would take the look of event horizon any day. Absolutely. And any day there were no you know? CG, but, uh, no CG monkeys in event horizon. <laughs> oh my, oh God, my God. That was I, I, you know, I kind of burned that from my memory <laughs> and you brought it back. Yeah. Blarp? Blarp. Blarp. <laughs> <laughs> Also played by Matt LeBlanc. <laughs> Matt LeBlarp. <laughs> Matt LeBlarp. Um, well, no, and, and that just kind of brought me back to one other thing I was going to mention about that in terms of like the uh, production design and all that stuff. I felt like the stuff that was done practically was actually pretty cool. Like the the killer robot in the beginning. Oh, yeah. Was was badass. That reminded me a lot of almost like even another classic uh, virus the, uh, the the robots in that they were all practical you know they made these 20 foot tall monstrosities and they, they had a presence in the scene you know it was really cool like the control room in the ship a lot of those interior things that, that were designed were, were pretty cool um, the you know reactor core at the end all that shit that was actually like fabricated or manufactured was, was cool because at least it had its own like look yeah it was, it was kind of goofy looking or whatever but I thought that that was effective. Mm-hmm. You know, that that looked pretty cool. The weapon designs. I always thought when I was a kid, like Matt LeBlanc's like rocketeer costume yeah, was was actually helmet. pretty cool. Yeah, um, the way that that was designed and everything else like that. You know, he's wearing like his leather jacket over the rocketeer or the whatever the costume, which is just hilarious. But um, so, you know, it's not to say that it was irredeemable in, in those regards. Like a lot of people put in a lot of effort, I'm sure, to make that look cool. And, and but, but this was that really odd time still where that melding of practical and CGI was not there yet. And arguably nowadays, even too, I think that it's not 100 percent there yet either. You know, I think there's better ways to blend the two. but. I think having that really like grounded old school practical on set things and then mixing that with dated CGI just makes everything look worse. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. All right, fellas. Uh, well, if there's nothing else anybody wants to, to, well, to add. That was just the intro. I actually wanted to do an in-depth thorough analysis right. of Matt LeBlanc's uh, method acting in this movie. Mm-hmm. I hear he actually went to the future to the year 2053. It's possible. Hey, he plays his cards right. He might even live that long. Shit. Shit. Um, we might right, live boys. that long. Uh, I'm hoping. <laughs> um, so let's kind of go around the uh, the table here and give our uh, good sci-fi, bad sci-fi, or any final thoughts we might have, starting with Jason. Yeah. Um, bad movie. Uh, did not hold up in any way, shape, or form. Kind of bummed about that, truthfully. That's why I'm like almost hesitant now. I think Colin said it first and best. Like we're going back and just killing our childhoods, and that childhood is one of the few things I still have, of, you know, of, of value. And I feel like we're just crushing it and destroying it one movie at a time. So that was sad. Uh, horrible sci-fi. Just bad. <laughs> it doesn't even. It doesn't even like. Like there's there's movies that we've watched that were worse movies but better sci-fi, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is interesting. That's true. You yeah, know, that's very true. Just uh, yeah, remarkably like middling for for kind of what it was and what it was trying to do. But you know, it just joins that list of uh, the long list of 
duds, right? Just duds. Mm-hmm. It just mm-hmm. didn't work for one reason or another. It came out and it didn't work and it wasn't it. And that's all I got. <laughs> and that's all <laughs> I have to say about that. All right, uh, Andrew. Yeah, I'm I'm with Jason on this one. Um not a not an amazing movie. Uh I I ended up having to pay the three dollars to rent it last night, regretted that. Um <laughs> <laughs> wasn't it on um, HBO? It was, but my HBO wasn't working, so I'm like, ah oh, fuck it. I'll uh, just rent it on Google. And then oh. right after I hit play and it'd been playing for like two minutes. HBO decided to work, and I'm like, well, they're not going to give me a refund now. Start, I started the rental period. God damn it. Um, Gotta love it. So it's, yeah, it's it's not uh, not an amazing movie. Uh, the sci-fi concept is okay, but um, I, I that might just be out of respect for, you know, what it's referencing, and, you know, I, I almost would want to look, like, watch those three seasons of the original show and see, you know, that's probably like a campy 60s thing so i i personally probably wouldn't like it but um yeah not not a not a not a great pick sorry william um all right thank you Uh, i agree with you guys this awful movie just did not hold up and you know we just killed another part of my childhood and you know we're gonna be doing the abyss soon here uh so let's see if let's see how that holds up i have a sneaking (laughs) suspicion it does um but if, uh, if Ed Harris is in it, you know it's going to be. Yeah, you don't have to worry yeah. about it. Ed Harris does a lot for a movie. Yeah, just like I would say Gary Oldman does, just not this time. No. Um, I think uh, it's terrible, terrible sci-fi. Any cool sci-fi concepts, Jason? You kind of said in the beginning, uh, there's good ideas there, but they didn't yeah. run with it. It was kind of just a plot device to get to more mediocrity. Um, so it's it's unfortunate. Um, they yeah. took a. Potentially awesome, um, you know, uh, intellectual property, and they kind of just ran it into the ground. Um, and it has since been revived to some degree of success, from what I've heard. And I do plan on checking that out relatively soon. Maybe even I'll, you know, get an episode in tonight if I can. But uh, it's just unfortunate that, and I didn't realize it until you know, my age now that uh, it it just not a good fucking movie and i look at some of these reviews and <laughs> i just want to read a few of them because they are great roger ebert said this is a dim-witted shoot 'em up <laughs> uh wade major from the box office said the dumbest and least imaginative adaptation of television oh, series God. yet translated to the screen <laughs> so painful oh, no. and then uh, james uh, bordinelli uh, uh said meandering storyline and lifeless protagonists Lost in Space features a few action sequences that generate adrenaline jolts, but this is not an edge-of-the-seat motion picture. I think they all just... In fact, I think that last one was being really kind. <laughs> just mm-hmm. movie sucks. Okay, <laughs> we're moving on. Um, well, there you have it, folks. That is our uh, disappointing take on uh, Lost in Space 1998. Uh, if you haven't seen this movie yet, don't. Don't see it. Um, watch the TV show New and Old. Just avoid this movie. I'd say watch uh, the credits. Watch the end credits, but watch don't the, watch, watch the movie. The end credits. In watch fact, the Andrew's end gonna play us out. Andrew's <laughs> gonna play us out with those end credits for sure. Um, next week, are we thinking Abyss or is that? We were gonna do. Uh, we we're gonna do. They live. The Abyss. 
And then uh, Miller's uh, belated March Madness pick. Who's doing I think I... Oh. Who picked Us? it? I just threw it in because I, I actually I watched uh, Escape from L.A. and Escape from New York. And I was thinking, I was in like John Carpenter mode. So I was like, oh, They Live yeah. would be a cool one. And it's very timely, I feel like, too. It is, yeah. So um, that was my idea there. But, you know. But that's a breezy movie, too. It's like an hour and a half. So we can watch it and... Mm-hmm. Do a bit after that, or Miller's pick, or whatever works best. I, yeah. I got a couple ideas for my pick. Cool. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, until next time.
one to kill a bad guy buys the beer.